there's a really big difference between data and analytics. Data is all about the past and only about the past. You have to put the data into combination with other data sets in mm-hmm. analytics to establish the relationships. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On today's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Mark Stuse, and he is the CEO of Proof Analytics, the company's proof business GPS trademarked, is the world's best and fastest automated marketing and revenue optimization platform. And trust me, we dig in and we make numbers sound like we can understand them. (laughs) And he has a lot of uh, good tips and things for us to learn in how we can use a marketing mix modeling system to our advantage and how it's the system that he has created is going to allow us as marketers and business decision makers and leaders to really make sure that we're capitalizing on our investments in our marketing efforts in real time. So stick around. You've got a lot to learn from Mark today. But before we do that, it's time for our marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to build your brand and your bottom line. So I was speaking at a workshop yesterday for the Idaho Business League events. Uh, They have their Business Builders Day, and I was asked to come and speak about uh, Pitch Perfect and win the work you want. And I wanted to address a question that came up from from my audience and kind of just also maybe give some advice or maybe some guidance. There was a young lady that was in my class and uh, she had made mention that because she was young, sometimes people don't, or maybe she just feels this way, that people don't give her the credit or think that she has the authority or the ability to do the things that she's doing in her business. And so I kind of wanted to reflect back when I started uh, with my husband and I was in my you know early 20s when we started to get the business up and running and going and I was moonlighting and all of the things and I I absolutely remember the time when I had to feel like I had to prove myself had to show and share that I knew what I was talking about and even if I didn't I learned and I had to learn on my own to freak, figure out how I could help and provide value and give value And the advice I shared was no matter what age you are, you still have so much value to give because sometimes the generation that we represent, who we are, we have experiences that are different than maybe older generations or people who have come before us. They have a different perspective than what the younger people do. So my advice is if you are listening to this and you are either young or old, doesn't matter, no matter where you're at in your career, maybe it's something new that you've taken on, maybe you are changing careers midway through your you know, journey here. No matter what it is that you do, you have different experiences that you can draw on and that's what makes you unique. No one else has had the same experiences that you have had and can draw on them just like you can. So think back to when you maybe very first started in your career, or maybe you are starting now, there is still so much value that you can bring to the table, no matter where you are, 
and where you're at in your career, in your journey, in your path, right? So my advice again is to think about what you can do and the value that you can bring and how you can help and serve others and how can you be useful to them in a respectful way that can then give them some different insight or perspective into what it is that you want to accomplish and winning the work that you want to do, be confident in who you are and what you can do to give those people value. And if you are maybe somebody who has kind of rounded out the end of their career, I challenge you and urge you to pay it forward to our younger generation who need to learn and be mentored and have that guidance so that maybe they don't feel as though they don't know anything or that they don't have the confidence to be able to stand up and step out and get out of their comfort zone and get comfortable with the uncomfortable and doing things that they need to experience so that they have those uh, stories and those things that they can tell to draw on when they are providing value to others. So either be a mentor or be a mentee, but learn as you go and do what you can to continue to add value to those around you and to those who could hire you or buy from you or purchase from you. And with that said, let's move on into our interview with Mark. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Pepper Shock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today we're going to go on a marketing journey with Mark Stoos. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, great to be here with you. So Mark, let's share a little bit more about you, your background. Uh, you said you've come from COO to CEO. I want to know a little bit more about Mark. So I started out at first, you know, coming, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, but started out as a reporter for Newsweek nice. and then went into politics nationally and then went uh, from there into a P big PR firm. Uh, and from there, I became a, a chief communications officer. And then I went CMO in big companies. And the final big leap, at least so far, uh, that I've made is from all of that to being the CEO of a, a growing analytics software company, which I founded. So it's a, uh, so I tend to see things from many different points of view. Um, I'm, I'm kind of eclectic like that. So, and I, and I hire people in very much the same way, right? And I don't want anyone who's like me. That's a really good point because you want to hire people who might be smarter than you in certain areas or that have different personalities than what you do to balance balance out the uh, the way things get done, right? No, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's, and there's nothing more boring than being surrounded by people just like yourself. Mm -hmm. And in the, it also presents you with extreme risk levels around decision-making and for the same reason that if you were to take all your money and, and only buy one stock in the stock market with that money, right? You're either going to hit it exactly right, hit it big, or you're going to lose everything. <laughs> true. You have, you have not distributed the risk. And right. so one of the ways that I think about all this is that I want to, you know, particularly today, but even in my last several roles, the decisions that I would make would have really 
big impact on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, and I couldn't afford to be catastrophically wrong. I mean, we're all going to be wrong, but you don't want to be big time wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I would hire people not like myself around myself, not only direct reports, but one, at least one layer more than that mm-hmm. uh, and really listen to them. Uh, because if I, if I felt like that there was not a consensus I would really slow way down and I would take that as kind of like a warning, warning, warning. Right. And it really saved my butt several times. <laughs> good. That's, that's, that's a good way, approach to take that way. It's not a dictatorship, but it's a collaboration and everyone has something to the, bring to the table from all of the different types of experiences that everyone has. I like that you, you incorporate that into your process. That's great. Oh, uh, it's, it's actually extremely conscious. Right. I mean, and I think it's really important for for leaders and and anyone else who wants to be a leader someday Mm -hmm. to be very, very conscious about doing it, because if you're not, you won't. The natural human tendency is to gravitate to opinions and to people just like yours. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, a little healthy conflict is, uh, you know, a good thing to incorporate and be able to. Uh, have some uh, civil discourse on opinions that differ and it can educate you in different ways than than what you may expect or appreciate at the time. But it's good to uh, definitely uh, seek out other people's thoughts and opinions. So then when you do make that decision, you at least have some good uh, background information to help you through that process and making that decision. I I understand completely because sometimes you don't always uh, think the same way that somebody else does. And so, you know, if you dig in your heels and not open your mind a little bit, then you uh, are doing yourself a disservice, right? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> but also, I mean, this is more Machiavellian in some respects, but it creates if you if you ignore what people are saying and you're wrong, you've just made yourself politically vulnerable to the max. Right. right? right. Um, and and so that that makes no sense at all. To make for any leader to do that is essentially professional suicide. Right. And then recognizing if you are wrong, you know, being able to come back and say, you know what, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I did something wrong. (laughs) Sometimes that's hard to do to you, huh? (laughs) You never, you know, I mean, you never want to say I'm going to die on this hill unless it is something of supreme moral importance. Right. Right. Right? Otherwise, (laughs) It's just not anything. It's just not what you want to do. Yeah. Well, let's take it back to when you decided that you needed to start this company that you're now the CEO of. Tell me, tell me what kind of instigated this idea that you had and how did you get there? What did you do? How did you make it happen? Because before this, you weren't, you know, a founder or an entrepreneur in that sense. You were working for others as a CMO and in other places. But I want to know this journey that you went through. And then furthermore, I want to know how you started getting the word out about it and started to, you know, getting those sales in the door and things that you did to get to where you are now. So I became, I guess it was probably like around 2003 or so, I became really convinced that 
analytics-led decision-making, particularly for marketers, but business people in general, was absolutely crucial. And I was, I was kind of in, I was on a quest for significance in a sense, because I think most marketers will relate to this, right? Um, you, you know, you rarely got the credit for the good that you did. You often got a lot of criticism. You got a lot of budget cuts. You were only as good as your last project. No one would get past or look beyond that, right? <laughs> That's right. And you and it was very short-term thinking and it was very anecdotal. And I got to the point, even though I was very successful, where there was I was at HP at the time. Mm-hmm. There was kind of like this fundamental choice that was staring me in the face between doing something, approaching my profession very differently or getting out of it Mm. entirely. Right. Mm -hmm. And because it's an awesome job, except for this whole problem and this whole problem that we're talking about here, the problem of credibility and proof, small P proof. Right. Well, how do I know it's working and I don't see an ROI and yeah. (laughs) Right. And all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes it suck. Right. It really does. I mean, this is one of the reasons why marketers love to go to marketing events because they're surrounded by marketers and it's one big hug fest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it makes them feel better so that when they go back to where they really operate, they can sort of deal with it a little better. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know anything about analytics. In fact, I was the proverbial guy who went into marketing at some to some degree went into marketing because it involved no math. <laughs> I can relate to that a hundred percent. And, and so I was suddenly looking at down the, you know, the proverbial barrel of a, of a gun that I didn't think was ever going to be something I would be looking at. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started, I took the first step and, and, uh, and over time, particularly at BMC Software and then later in particular as CMO of Honeywell Aerospace, we got to a very, very high level of maturity on this issue and it fixed the problem. Mm -hmm. In so many ways, it fixed the problem. And it is a common problem that a lot of marketers suffer is that they can't always prove what they've done has, has been highly effective, even though it has. And so they have to have the tools to then go back to the CFO and the, the, you know, the other people that are kind of, you know, breathing down their neck and saying, well, we have to cut this budget, but no, stop, hold up. Here's why you're not going to want to cut that budget. Right? Absolutely. And so the big problems is that we live in a multivariable world, lots and lots of things happening. They're not all equally important. Some of them you control and most of them you don't control. Mm -hmm. So what we're really talking about here as marketers is you're surfing a wave and your ego aside, this wave was not created by you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And your job is to surf it really well so that you end up with a strong finish on the beach instead of wiping out, right? Wipeout. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> that's right. No wipeouts. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, so then you're talking about the feedback loop, right? Which if you've ever surfed or if you've ever done anything like that, you can feel the wave kind of shifting 
And so you you learn over time how to shift with it. And that happens more or less instantly in that kind of circumstance. But in marketing, everything is delayed. It's called time lag. It's actually mm-hmm. a data science, right? And one of the things that I really learned over this 15 year period of time was that if you did, could not compute the time lag for all of these different investments that you were making, you would literally never find the value. You'd never find the ROI hmm. because it arcs. You spend the money, you're in the campaign. And just like a, you know, a cannonball in flight, mm-hmm. right? It It's in flight, that campaign's in flight and it has not started to impact yet, right? And so- you can kind of like you on, don't hear the afterburners until you know a, a few seconds right. later, depending on how far away you are, right? No, that's exactly it. it. Uh, yeah, that's totally it. And so I, I'm, I'm going with you on this. I, I like this ride. Let's keep going. So, so then I I got you know parenthetically having nothing to do with marketing, I got really into environmental issues, particularly climate change, mm-hmm. and I started getting exposed to the, the science. And when you get exposed to the science, you immediately get exposed to the math because, because the math is a huge, huge part of this. Math absolutely matters. Everyone uses it every day, whether they want to or not. I I agree. (laughs) So one of the things you learn very quickly is that multivariable regression is the cornerstone of scientific method. And it make you know it makes up a very large uh, part of the science around climate change, or epidemiology, or a whole host of other things. Mm-hmm. And and so I started to say to myself, so this would be kind of like twenty ten ish. This is after the recession, right? Right when I mean, kind of that time frame, or right around when it starts to kind of maybe start to come back, right? Right. If this math can handle stuff of that complexity, it can absolutely handle marketing, marketing mm-hmm. impact, right? And then I was I was talking to an, uh, a, a retired guy, retired marketer uh, who had been on you know in large agencies for a long time, and I was talk. We were talking about all this, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he goes. You know, he goes, this is, there's something like this. What you're describing is called marketing mixed modeling. It was first developed by Procter and Gamble in the early 1990s. Um, and it is still extremely in use, mainly in the Fortune 500, mainly mm-hmm. in B2C Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's considered very, very accurate, very predictive but it is hugely expensive mm-hmm. and it is very slow to know words, the process of computing all this is very slow. The time lag that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, that not only the, yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. this, this, this would actually be data sciences time lag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> multiple, multiple variables of time lag. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, so then I started talking to different companies that were active users of MMM and they were all saying, yeah, it's awesome. The problem is, is that, you know, we have these very large models, they're recomputed 
at most twice a year, you know, and then it takes another three months for everything to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. And so by the time we get the results, even the forecasts are in the past. Yeah. You just, you missed your wave completely. Totally missed your wave. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet it it's, you know, we still do it. We still spend three, four, five, six million dollars a year on this. Right. Because it's, still the best thing we've got. Mm. And I thought to myself, I've been there. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's what we went through at Honeywell. Mm -hmm. I think we need to automate this. Mm. And so we started Proof Analytics and we began to build the platform that not only for a data scientist would automate very substantial portions of what is otherwise a very time consuming process, Mm -hmm. but also we put a front end on it for business users and marketers. Mm -hmm. That was not just a simplified dumbed down version of the data science screens. It was a completely different approach to helping them understand what was going on. Yeah, so all of those other marketers who just chose to take marketing because they thought that they weren't going to have to do math, right? <laughs> right, and so and so the problem is that when you flash a, a, a graph, mm-hmm. primarily this revolves around graphs, not charts. Gotcha. If you do a graph in front of the average marketer, all of their kind of bullshit confidence aside, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Inside, what they're really saying to themselves is, I have no idea what that means. They haven't been able to figure out the interpretation of what it would mean for them in the future either. If they don't understand it, they can't use it. It's it's actually more, it appears to be, and there's a lot of study on this, not just on marketers, but people in general. Um, It's more of a psychological block. Mm. And so what we're not saying is all these people are stupid. That's clearly not the case, right? But because of their experience growing up with math, mm-hmm. it made a lot of people shut down whenever they became exposed to it. And they've learned to cover that up pretty well, right? In the, particularly in, in their job, in their corporate environment, right? They Well, unless you're a mom who had to figure out how to do common core math with their kids. I mean, yeah. <laughs> certainly can relate to to how uh confidence can be squashed with math (laughs) it really is it's a you know and so we wanted to present the analytics to those people Mm -hmm. in a way that was very very understandable and recognizable and one of the things that we started seeing as we worked with our own software system that we had created is that uh, as the as the automated data flows started being hooked up to all these models, mm-hmm. everything worked a lot like a GPS on your phone, right? So this is where you are on this particular thing. This is where you want to go. This is your objective, your goal, whatever, right? Um, it tells you historically what has been the best way forward to mm-hmm. this. It will give you a projection, a so-called route to value. Um, 
And then as it recalcs and recalcs and recalcs this model, as things change in the environment, maybe change in your performance of your different uh, investments, mm-hmm. and there's a delta that happens between the forecast and the actual, all of a sudden you're presented with an understanding of what you need to do in order to get back on track. And you can war game different scenarios just like you can on your iPhone, right? With your GPS. If all of a sudden there's a wreck ahead and you right. need to change, it gives you different route choices and you pick one and then it takes. She'll get on there and say, make a legal U-turn. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what proof analytics does nice. uh, in these screens. And so it's both predictive and prescriptive analytics. Instead of like the big models that are historical, because it just takes too long for them to get the information when you need it. It's not rapid and readily accessible. So what you've done is you've made this information to where it's happening in the moment, right? Right. It's keeping up with the, the what's called the clock speed of your business, right? So, and this is the advantage that software in general can bring to this kind of equation, right? It's if you are, if things are changing second by second, minute by minute, day by day, week by week, whatever it is, right? The software doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Software is going to meet, you know, this is like trading software on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. When all of a sudden you could trade in, in milliseconds, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was a huge step change, right? Mm-hmm. For, for the street. Uh, but the software didn't care. Right. And if you said tomorrow, no, I, I I want you to only do it, you know, minute by minute. The software would go fine. I don't care. Yeah. Now it's time for a message from one of our partners, Kitcaster. Did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand? And Kitcaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. We've had several guests from Kitcaster on the Marketing Expedition podcast as well. So if you're an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with Kitcaster. You can expect a completely customized concierge service from their staff of communication experts. Kitcaster is your secret weapon in podcasting for business. Your audience is waiting to hear from you. Go to kitcaster.com slash expedition to apply for a special offer for friends of this podcast. So Mark, give, give me kind of a, a case study or like a, a something that happened because someone used your software. Like what, what occurred? Uh, how did they improve what they were doing? And give me kind of a step-by-step, like this is where they were, this is what they did because of the software, and this is where they are now. Can you kind of yeah, walk me yeah, through that? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there, there's quite a few of those. Um, I would say that in in particular, the last three years, beginning mm-hmm. with COVID, mm-hmm. right up to the present time, if you think about this, if you, if you were planning, if you were using 2019 to plan 2020, <laughs> Or, yep. or even 2020 to 2021 or whatever, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. you would have been wrong every year for the last three years. Well, yeah, definitely. Cause it's completely unpredictable. Even now it's in a weird economy. So yeah, I can completely. That's, right. that's yeah. right. And so, and that's even if you were using old style marketing mix modeling, because mm-hmm. it was so slow 
that by the mm -hmm. time you found out about the big change, it was too late. Too late. Yeah. Right. And so what we have seen with our customers like Johnson Controls or Bear or Samsung or whatever is that they they're able to keep up with the changes. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, again, going back to surfing the wave, mm -hmm. you, know, you feel the wave change under your feet. And so you you've learned how to shift your body slightly mm -hmm. so that you don't topple. Right. Uh, it's the same thing here. They're able to have a feedback loop that is that fast. And it and by fast, what I really mean is however fast their business is moving. Mm -hmm. that's that's the clock speed of the business right they're able to keep up with that so so just give me digging a little bit more what is it that the that we're analyzing what data points or what kind of examples can you oh, yeah, you know sure. share that like what kind of things are we going to see you know in the dashboard as a result of what types of things are measuring oh it, it all starts with the questions so it doesn't start with the data everyone starts uh long end of the stick, right? Okay. So typically, when, as part of the onboarding, we will have a, a one meeting with whoever the leadership is. Mm -hmm. And we will say, okay, so what are your top 20 questions that you really want answered about marketing? Mm -hmm. And let's just say that those are extremely predictable questions, right? So like, how is everything that we're spending on marketing impacting revenue? Mm -hmm. How is how is it contributing to better profitability on average deals? How is it uh, improving average deal velocity, meaning how long it takes to close deals? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those three questions, we'll just leave it there for right now. Sure. Those three questions speak directly to revenue margin and cash flow impact of marketing. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you set up a model and you say, okay, I'm now, you know, my independent variables, that's all the stuff that you're doing and that other people are doing that you don't control. Mm -hmm. uh, those could be all my marketing investments, what my competitors are doing, what the macroeconomic picture looks like, all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. against the dependent variable, which is, I'll pick one, average time to close, right? Average deal velocity. Mm -hmm. Um and then you load it all up and you run the model. And instead of having to wait days and weeks, it literally happens in hours. And then it just keeps on happening at whatever cadence mm -hmm. you're introducing new data into it. Wow. And so you just get a continuous portrait of the impact that you're having on that particular thing that you've mm -hmm. asked about. Right. Mm -hmm. And so but the questions are unlimited, right? I mean, so like, for example, one that we just got through watching a customer model is what are, what's the impact of marketing on our brand power in the marketplace? And then what is our brand powers impact on our ability to recruit more people of the quality that mm -hmm. we want and to on, you know, secure them, hire them, faster right mm -hmm. so there are kind of no matter what the question is there's usually these three vectors right more better faster right right you can apply kind of apply that on anything mm -hmm. and those are also really important for most business leaders
And so at the end of the day, what the business leader is really saying to marketing is not, I want to cut you and cut you and cut you because I think you, you know, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. What they're really saying is, I don't understand the value ultimately that you're delivering. Mm -hmm. I might sort of feel it, but I can't calibrate my feeling. Mm -hmm. And that means that I need to keep you but I don't want to overspend on something that I don't understand. And so I'm going to cut you until something breaks. So this is very dysfunctional, by the way. I'm not, yeah. enforced, right? mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to cut you until something breaks and, and then we're going to all go, Oh crap together. And then we're going to try and reinflate the balloon. Mm. Right. And that, but that point's too late because you you really have to have your pipeline built up well, well in advance. So well, not only that, you, you know, when you cut like that, you lose a lot of momentum, mm-hmm. you lose a lot of talent, and you lose a lot of continuity, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just really, really, really bad. The real question is, what's the impact that we're having, and how much additional headroom? do we have on these investments to create more value mm-hmm. before we hit the point of diminishing returns? Right. And so it's called an S curve, right? Where are we on the S curve of mm-hmm. optimization, mm-hmm. right? And that is, that's really the whole ball of wax for most business leaders. Mm-hmm. Most business leaders couldn't give a rip about all the marketing me- metrics, Right. They just want to see the results in the bottom line. I mean, if you know, yeah. And they, want, and they want to be able to say, wow, okay. So we're kicking ass and taking names in terms of marketing's impact on sales. Mm-hmm. And if I spend another 20 million with marketing, I can get even more value, even more impact. And that will put me real close to the point of diminishing returns. So I don't want to go past that. Right. But then the marketplace changes, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on what's going on, that might shift the point of diminishing returns. And so either up or down, right? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. want to be able to make a new decision at that time without breaking the machine. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really the essence of it right there. All right. And you've figured out a way to make it to where uh, you can look at these and understand what the data means, right? You can collect all the data in the world that you want, but if you don't understand it, it's not going to be any use use to you. So it sounds like definitely a a great uh, tool for marketers to use to then be able to justify their actions and and reactions and predictions, right? Well, because it's also also the only unassailable Mm -hmm. method for doing that, right? So what, what we've seen, for example, is marketers tried multi-touch attribution or other kinds of attribution formula. And at the end of the day, they all got just completely destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. Either through the, the diminution of third-party data, so that's right. more circumstantial, or the realization that customer journey data is not a basis for optimizing spend, Right. So now they're kind of like in this new economic situation where everybody's under an enormous amount of pressure and they're looking around and they're saying, okay, how do we do this? This is also where we come in from the standpoint that 
one of the things that software does is it takes previously very time intensive and expensive processes and it simplifies them and it automates them to some degree, makes it all faster. That's a general statement about all software. We have, so if you are doing marketing mix modeling or your boss, you know that your company has marketing mix modeling and you're spending millions of dollars with Nielsen or Newstar analytic partners mm -hmm. or any of these guys who all, by the way, do great work. You should know that you can now do this for about $100,000, including both parts and labor, right? That's mm -hmm. software licenses and your, your analyst who's actually going to set it all up, right? Yeah. So it's, it's Sorry. just, it's become extremely affordable and approachable for marketing teams. It's definitely evolved a lot since, uh, you know, we first started in business. I, I, we started our business in 2000 three before Facebook, before, you know, a lot of the digital advertising and all the things. And now just it's so it's evolved so much that decisions are being made based on the results and in, in the analytics that we can look at. And unlike before, right, everything was TV, radio and no two way communication. And now we can track everything and just see exactly how things are going and, and flowing and and make sure that we get the maximum amount of money back on our investments, the, the ROMI, right? Return on marketing investments to really make sure that what we're doing is, is accurate, is going to reflect what's happening and then be able to ride that wave, like you said. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a, you know, I think, I think that probably the other thing to say here is given who, who's in your audience is that <laughs> there's a really big difference between data and analytics. Data is all about the past and only about the past. And it has no predictive value itself because past is not prologue. You have to put the data, one, you know, one data set into combination with other data sets in mm -hmm. analytics to establish the relationships. Well, that's why analytics, I mean, it's right in the name. You have to analyze it and understand it and, you know, get through that so that you can use it to your advantage. Absolutely. Right. So, Mark, if people would be interested in learning more about what you do with Proof Analytics and about you, your your uh, amazing ability to explain something pretty technical, I want them to be able to reach out to you. How can they uh, follow you, reach out? Tell me. Tell me more. Sure, absolutely. So um, our website is proofanalytics.ai. I am very active on LinkedIn, so you can reach me there um, and just just run the search for Mark Stoos. Um, and I, I'm sure that you'll have it written out somewhere. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. we'll put it in the show notes and, for sure. Uh, and then I'm also on Twitter, at Mark Stoos. And you know, I, I don't do well with email anymore. Uh, me neither. <laughs> I, I, in, in that sense, I've really, I have, I, I'm 56 years old and I'm, but I'm not 56 in terms of the way that I operate. I'm probably more like 30. Well, there you go. We all, we all can uh, be young at heart for sure. <laughs> so awesome. I will, uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm very responsive on, on the social channels uh, like that. And so if I can help anybody at all, I mean, my role really as CEO is to help people. I, I have people yeah. who sell, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
what I find is that if I sell, it it prevents people from hearing me. I can't mm-hmm. help them anymore because they've got all their guards up because mm. right? I'm I'm been selling to them, right? Mm-hmm. So I try really hard not to sell. Mm-hmm. So I will just give you the benefit of my what I've learned, what I know to be true, and then what I believe to be true. And those two things are need to be clearly d- delineated. Right. Sure. Right. Um, and, uh, and then I, I'll just try and help you out. And, and if that ultimately means that you become a customer, then that's great. But uh, I'm here to help. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Mark, uh, for joining me today from hot Arizona, right? Paradise. You said, where, where, where are you calling? Paradise Mark? Valley, Arizona. It is hot. It's <laughs> not as hot anymore. That's it's good. under a hundred right now. Yeah, right? That's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was 115 last month. So. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, so thank you. And then, so for those of you who are listening now, if you found value uh, in this show with Mark today, feel free to share it out there with everyone that you know that needs to hear what he had to say. He has a lot of great information for us. So do that. And then of course, the best thing you could do is give us a review because that's like gold. And until next time, everybody, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.